0: Today, Seth and I give you our way too early projections for the Western Conference. We'll go team by team and talk about the guys that made it in 2023, whether we think they'll be back, and then we'll discuss some of the new contenders for this upcoming season, and it might not be who you expect. All of this coming up on today's episode of Locked On NHL.
1: You're Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team
0: every day. Hi and hello, hockey fans. Welcome back to the Locked On NHL Podcast. Western Conference Tuesdays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your team every day. Thank you for tuning in and making us your first listen of the day. We appreciate all the everydayers out there who continue to make Locked On NHL a part of your daily routine even here in the dog days of summer the offseason in full swing uh, but with the early stages of the offseason comes some early predictions of what the upcoming season could look like and joining me as always to discuss those projections here on Tuesdays is Seth Topal host of Lockdown Minnesota Wild. Seth how's it going? Doing well, and as you said, we
1: are uh, continuing to navigate through the summer, and as I always like to say, it is never too early to start setting our sights on the 2023-2024 season. Free agency, for the most part, taken care of. Uh, Wild fans get a chance to celebrate the uh, re-signing of Brandon Duhame a little bit, and so um, it's never too early to start taking a look at which teams have made strides to be near the top of the list, especially in our beloved Western Conference.
0: Absolutely. On on paper, you think you look at the, the teams in the Western Conference and you look at the moves that had been made. It seems like everything is just about wrapped up. Of, of course, a few big name free agents still out on the market and maybe some trades pending here and there. But I think for the most part, we have an idea of what we're going to get on opening night from the majority of these teams. And we can at least start to speculate who's for real and who's going to be a pretender uh, and you know, be hoping for a top lottery spot at the end of the season. But it's also fun in the sense that you make these projections now and then you get to look back on it and, and laugh at yourself in some ways because I know for myself, I, I was a guy who didn't even have the Boston Bruins in the postseason and they went and won the President's Trophy this past season. So take what we say with a grain of salt and know that most people's projections, while some of it might be accurate, uh, you never really know what you're going to get. The NHL is an absolute wild card, but the way we're going to go through this is we're going to start with the Central Division and go team by team of the groups that made it into the postseason last year. And then, you know, Central Division, then the next se- segment, we'll do the Pacific, and then we'll close out the show with teams that we think could be on on the come up, teams that could be taking places of the other teams that we think might miss out, uh, and so on and so forth. So let's jump right into the Central Division, set and let's go from the bottom up uh, we had, of course, had a nice even split. Four teams from the Central and four teams in the Pacific made it into the Stanley Cup playoffs in 2023. And the Winnipeg Jets are, are a team that looked drastically different, or at least will on opening night. Uh, plenty of off-season departures. Pierre-Luc Dubois is now in Los Angeles. Blake Wheeler is in New York. Uh, it seems like Connor Hellebuck is no longer interested in staying long-term. He might be the goalie for the Jets this season, but it also wouldn't shock me if he's gone between now and the trade deadline, because if you're the Jets, you would hate to let such a talented goaltender walk for nothing. So what are your thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets going into this season? Are they a contender, or do you think that they will be missing out on the playoffs in 2024?
1: I think the Jets are going to be uh, taxied on the runway this upcoming season because you you, you look at everything that went into their season last year. They had a fantastic start to the year. They were near the top of the central division for a large part of the season. And then things started to fall off. They really hit the skids when we flipped the calendar to 2023. Rick bonus was not apologetic about wanting more from his top guys. And they did not like that in the slightest. And so you've seen some departures. Pierre, Luke Dubois is gone, as you mentioned, Connor Hellebuck, uh, will probably be, uh, on the way out as well. Mark Scheifele, another player who uh, potentially could be uh, dealt at the deadline or before, and this all leads to just a weird situation for this Jets team. There's a lot of uncertainty, and that is it is going to have an effect on this team. This stuff always does. It seems like it always kind of hangs over a team, and so I just I don't think the Jets, as they kind of transition into their next core. I don't think they'll be one of the teams in the postseason, and I will go so far as to say I don't think they're going to be one of the teams that are fighting for that uh, that wild card spot come the end of the season either. So I think we can take them and drop them out of consideration for the postseason here in the Western Conference, and uh, I fully expect if that uh, does end up happening, that old takes exposed will uh, will take me to task for this one.
0: Well, if they're going to take you to task, they'll, they'll have to take me as well. Uh, I, I agree. I think Winnipeg misses out on the playoffs this upcoming season. I think I don't think they'll be an easy out per se. I think they'll be a, a tough out or night in and night out because Rick Bonus. That's just the way he coaches his teams. But they're, they're missing a lot of talent. They still do have some. Kyle Connor still going to be around. Uh, Josh Morrissey's going to be looking to repeat what he did. But ultimately, I, I just don't necessarily see this team taking any steps forward. Uh, due to the the talent that they've lost and could still be losing, uh, and the next team, a team you're pretty familiar with, Seth, and the Minnesota Wild, a team that I'll just go ahead and start off by saying, I think they'll make the postseason. Uh, I don't necessarily know how many steps forward will be taken by this organization, but uh, I mean, you look at the the players that they have. You mentioned Brandon re resign. Kirill Kaprizov is still going to be Kirill Kaprizov. That top six is pretty good. I mean, if you have a healthy Jaleksynek. Uh, Matt Zuccarello, Ryan Hartman, Matt Boldy, I know is still, you know, kind of stepping into his role with the team, but I'm curious to know your thoughts uh, as a team that this is, this hits pretty close to home to you as you cover this team every day. Do you, do you agree? You think they make the postseason, or do you see uh, a regression this coming season?
1: You know, it's funny because I have been of the belief that I think this team is going to regress. And I said it last year too, and sure they did by a uh, total of six wins and, uh, They ended up being 10 fewer points uh, than the previous season. But still, they had a 100-point season. They won 46 games. They made the postseason. They were still one of the top three in the Central Division. And so at some point, you have to also acknowledge the fact that this team has learned how to win given the financial constraints that they have been under over the last couple of seasons. They've put together a team that relies on a very strong defense. The expectation is going to be that that group will get better with Brock Faber playing a top-four role. You're going to have uh, the likes of Marco Rossi playing uh, on this team as well. And my assumption would be that there are going to be a few more goals this year than last year. The goaltending may not be as good, but then the hope would be that the goaltending doesn't have to carry this team as much as they did this past season. And all in all, I think it leads to an assumption that they're going to be one of the top three in the central division again. And so I, I have no reason to believe that they're not capable of just continuing to do what they have done. So I am fully putting not just in potential for a wild card spot. They, they will be, I think one of the top three in the central once again, this year.
0: I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that as well. 103 points this past year. I don't really think there's anywhere you can look at the lineup and say, Oh, they got considerably worse. Uh, in some areas, you you could argue maybe that they're, that they're improving something, like you mentioned Brock Faber, after a pretty impressive outing in that series against the Stars in round one, looking to step into a bigger role. So I, I don't really see them trajecting downward. I think there'll be another very competitive team in the Central Division competing for a top three spot with the other two teams that, that we're here to discuss, starting with the Dallas Stars and uh, a team that I know quite well covering them every single day. And I, I think that they're kind of in the same boat of uh, they haven't really gotten worse. I think, in fact, uh, you could argue that they're going to be much improved offensively, which I think is saying quite a bit because they took some huge strides in 2023 under Pete DeBoer's leadership. He really opened up, you know, the games of guys like Jason Robertson uh, getting the most out of him. Miro Haskinen kind of helping him take that step with John Klingberg departing to being the number one defenseman, both on the defensive side and on the offensive side as well. You've got a top five goaltender in Jake Ottinger when he's fully healthy. And the defense, I know Stars fans would like to see some more improvement on the blue line, but the, the fact of the matter is this team was second in the Central Division at the end of the year. And I think really the defense, you know, that needs to be a lot more stable in the postseason, which I think moves can be made at the trade deadline to accommodate that. But I think for the regular season, I think this team is built to be a very good team. Uh, I mean, the offense, Matt Duchesne comes over, Craig Smith, Sam Steele, a player that you know a a lot about having been spent the past season in Minnesota. I I really see no reason why this Dallas Stars team isn't competing for a top three spot, if not maybe even being uh, a top seed in the in the central. And I'll even say maybe even gunning for a top spot in the West.
1: Yeah, and Dane, this is this is where you and I are in full agreement. And we're just seeing, I think, especially in the central, you've got the Avalanche, the Stars, and those are those are very clearly the two top teams in the Central Division. There's a little bit of separation, and then the Wild are probably that third team, and then there's a little bit of separation, and then you've got the rest of the teams fighting it out. Then a little separation in Arizona and Chicago, but it, it does seem like there is very clearly a divide between the Minnesotas, the Dallases, the Colorados, and the rest of the pack. And so, you know, to to go through and and say that the expectations are still there for those top three. Yeah, it, absolutely. Dallas is going to be probably second or first in the division. Um, the, the big question mark, as we were kind of talking before we hit record, is going to be health for Dallas. They, uh, they were able to avoid a lot of injuries this season uh, up until kind of the end of the year. And so if they can do that again, you feel like their chances are great. The question mark comes from how do you replace some of those guys, especially in the top six, if you lose them for a month here or there, where, where does that depth come in? But even still, even if Dallas does deal with injuries this year, I still think they are one of the top three best teams. If
0: they don't, then they are one of the top two teams in the central. (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. And, Obviously, you know, when you talk about injuries and teams that were plagued by it, I think that eases us into the final team of the Central Division. You talk about Colorado was still a great team in 2023, but had stints where they were missing some of their key guys and were missing arguably one of their main guys and Gabe landis all season. I'm assuming that he'll be back at some point. I know the timetable is a little shaky now after, you know, it was like, oh, he'll come back halfway through the season. That never happened. And, And he missed out on the regular season, the playoffs and, there were stints Kale McCarr was hurt, Nathan McKinnon, and it just felt like every time they got someone back, someone else was having to leave the lineup. Yet they were still a very good team. Ended up getting first in the Central Division, and then you know lost out uh, in an incredibly competitive series to a very good Seattle team. But with the same, you know, the same thing can be said. Minnesota, Dallas. I really see no reason why Colorado won't be competitive. They still have arguably the best players at their respective positions in their prime. I really just don't see a ton of weaknesses and I think they have gotten better. They, they are returning their studs and they've signed some really nice free agents and miles Wood, Ryan Johansson, Ross Colton. I mean, I, unless I'm missing something, I think this team is poised for another hundred plus point season.
1: Yeah. You're, you're a hundred percent right on here. And what we've seen from this Colorado team uh, since they won the, the Stanley cup is that there may be stretches where they play like a team that just doesn't really know kind of, how to get it done and so they may lose two or three games in a row and just look off but then all of a sudden they flip the switch and it's like oh yeah this is how we do it and then they rattle off 13 or 14 games in a row with a point or something like that they're still very dangerous they're very capable Um, it's just a matter of kind of maneuvering through when some of those top guys end up getting hurt but still there is still a divide between those top three and the bottom of the division and Colorado is definitely in the top three. And so I, I don't see any reason why they won't be one of the top again, if not the top team in the central here uh, for this
0: season as well. Absolutely. And maybe even a team that I think could potentially compete for the the president's trophy and being one of the best teams in the league. I know their fans probably don't want to hear that given the uh, association with bad luck that the president's trophy seems to bring, but I think Colorado is going to be in that conversation and we'll talk about some of the other teams ac- across the western conference in the pacific division We'll talk about seattle los angeles edmonton and vegas and decide whether or not they're going to the postseason in 2024 coming up next but first we got to say thank you to one of the sponsors of today's episode and that is our friends over at fanduel take your first swing at betting major league baseball on fanduel and get 10 times your first bet amount and bonus bets up to $200. That's right. You can just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, whether you win or lose that's 200. You can spend on betting everything from the money line to the over under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. And you can do all of it on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus when you win, you get paid instantly. There is no better place to bet on major league baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So you can sign up today and use our promo code or visit Fanduel.com slash on and get up to $200 in bonus bets. Again, that is Fanduel.com slash on. Fanduel is an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. I want to thank you again for making On NHL your first listen every single day. Dane Lewis, Seth Topal here with you on this Western Conference Tuesdays. We've discussed the Central Division Now, let's jump straight into the Pacific Division here, Seth, starting with one of the new or the newest member of the league, but a team that made it into the playoffs in their first year and maybe overperformed in some people's eyes. But the Seattle Kraken, uh, an interesting team, to say the least. I I don't think people expected them to get as high as they did. But now the question is, can they do it again Or, or will they were they kind of a one hit wonder? And we'll see them regress a little bit this coming year.
1: You know, it's interesting because they didn't have the same path into the league as the Vegas Golden Knights did, where they just caught fire immediately. Uh, there were growing pains. And this was a Seattle team that has a very good core. And so the only thing, I guess, that I worry about with Seattle is some of those young players that uh, that are in that mix. Matty Beneers, for one, uh, going through kind of that that early slump where the league starts to kind of figure you out a little bit. And uh, that leads to just some struggles from a goals perspective, a points perspective, things along that line. Um, Other than that, I mean, it is a Seattle team. I think that has some very good structure without really having gotten anything from Shane Wright whatsoever. So there's potential that if he comes in, he can be a little bit of a spark to help keep them going. Ultimately, again, you can take pretty much three teams from the Pacific and just strike them from the record immediately with Anaheim, San Jose, and probably Calgary. You can uh, just take those three and uh, and throw them out of playoff contention. And so then at that point, you're really only having to try to leapfrog one team to, uh, to get in. And I don't see the Central as having two wildcard teams this year. I think there's, I, I think there are enough teams in the Western Conference that are trying to get back up to where I think we'll get one wild card from each. And so you look at the odds there, and I think it is uh, in Seattle's
0: favor to be one of those teams from the uh, Pacific once again. But do you think it's limited to just wild card spot, or do you think there's a chance that they they seep into that top three? That's a tough one. I at this point
1: I would have to say wild card, um, just because you have a Kings team that's added some real talents. Now, did they upgrade the goalie situation? That remains to be seen. You've got Edmonton, who is Edmonton, and then you've got until they get told otherwise, the Stanley Cup champion Vegas Golden Knights. So I, I would say at this point it's probably wild card for Seattle. Just feels like the right spot to put them here this season.
0: I think that's a fair, fair assessment. And it's I think like you kind of were alluding to, not necessarily a lack of talent on their end, but they're in a division that has some some pretty great teams, including the team that finished above them and a team that I think will also finish above the Seattle Kraken in the Los Angeles Kings, who were one of the best offenses in the league last year, but were missing that goaltending. And, and they added to the offense. They get Pierre-Luc Dubois. They, you know, make some other moves here and there. I know they lose Sean Dersey to Arizona, but it really seems like all signs are pointing to this Kings team being great. Now the question is, are, are they going to be good enough to finally kind of shake off the, this almost little brother role that they've taken in the Pacific the past few years? With, you know, Edmonton seemingly always having their number, Vegas kind of being the new kid on the block, you know, taking all the attention. And you have this Los Angeles team that's never really been that bad over the past handful of seasons, but they haven't reach that next level is this the year that they finally do it or are they kind of doomed to still be in the middle somewhere
1: I think they are still going to regret not meaningfully upgrading the goalie situation I know Connor Hellebuck is still available for a trade and so in the event that say the Kings would go get him I think I, I would uh, would be proven wrong here but at this point, you know, you go get Cam Talbot, who I know is not going to be the starter, but he will be part of the uh, the goalie rotation there. And I just, I don't know if that's enough for a Kings team that really wants to try to maximize this window um, and and be a legitimate contender for a Stanley Cup. But ultimately, with the amount of games that they play against San Jose, Anaheim, Chicago, Arizona, Uh, They're they're still a playoff team for me, although I just I don't think it's going to be enough at this point to get them over the likes of Edmonton
0: and Vegas. Yeah, it's so tricky, especially just from here. I mean, you you need to see how these teams start the year. But then even then you look at a team like Winnipeg, like you mentioned, started the year off one of the best teams in the league. And then we saw how things ended for them. So I'm curious to see how things go for L.A. early on and kind of how they attack their season. Especially at the trade deadline. Maybe they get by with the goaltending that they have. And then at the deadline, you look to go out and get a a true backbone piece that can, you know, hold your team together for a deep playoff run. So I think if this team can, you know, make it past the first round, they they have the veteran leadership to kind of have that mental toughness that you need in order to push through. They have guys who have won the cup before and guys who know what it takes to win. So I think it's just a matter of kind of getting past that mental block uh, of knowing that, that you can be a good and competitive team. But it is easier said than done especially with teams in the division like the Edmondson Oilers who don't look that much different than they did at the end of the season. But the the big thing with them is that they have the best player on the planet, Connor McDavid, and then a top five player on the planet right behind him in Leon Dreisaitl, if not the, the second best player. I mean, but again, you go back to this team doesn't look that different. Is, is Stuart Skinner's rookie year? I mean, are you really, you know, believing that that was a good sign and that he's the goalie of the future that's going to hold this team together. And, and you know, are, are you okay with not going out and making these other moves, whether they be risky or not? I think Edmonton is going to be a playoff team. I think they'll be top three in the Pacific, but I just keep getting this feeling that we're we're not really going to see much change in terms of the results at the end of the season.
1: Yeah, it's it's the classic stop me if you've heard this one before. And I just, I wonder if McDavid or Dreisaitl will Go into the season, just kind of rolling their eyes and like, so we're gonna run it back again. And it's it's not to that's not to diss what the Oilers have done. It's obviously been a formula that's led to a lot of regular season success. It's just when you have two guys that are are definitely in the top ten in players in the league, but probably like you said, are in the top five. Um, <laughs> the expectations are way higher than simply being a playoff team. Now, for that portion of it, yes, they will be a playoff team, but boy, oh, boy, you have to at some point do something to get to the cup final with these two guys because every season that you don't feels like a missed opportunity and it feels like it's closer and closer to them electing to go elsewhere and kind of see what they can do in a different different location as opposed to, you know, the the same old, same old that they've had with the Oilers for the uh, last several seasons.
0: Yeah, It's funny that I know before we were recording, we were talking a little baseball and talking about the, the angels. And if you follow the MLB, you know that there's the the running joke of, you know, you can have Mike Trout go, go four for five and, you know, or hits, hit Mike Trout hits for the cycle. And, you know, Shohei Otani does something that hasn't been done since Babe Ruth did it back you know, in the, the 1900s when you couldn't even watch the game on TV, but the angels still lose to the tigers or the, the Oakland athletics. And I feel like that's, that's Edmonton, although at least Edmonton yeah. has made it to the postseason, but you know, if dry Sidal and McDavid's careers ended today, where, where do you rank them amongst, you know, the greatest ever, you know, lace up skates and, and play this game. And obviously titles aren't everything, but they are a huge indicator of where your legacy lies in the hockey community. And, I mean, this Edmonton team, like you said, if it's it's Stanley Cup Finals appearance or bust. I mean, anything yeah. below that uh, is is a, a a sad season. And at that point, I mean, if I'm the star players, I mean, Leon Dryside only has two more years left on his deal. Y- you start to, you know, I think if you're Edmonton, you really start to feel the pressure of if he goes, you know, he might go somewhere else. And McDavid only three years left on his deal. Uh, if if there's no progress made here over the next handful of seasons, I wouldn't be surprised, and honestly, the Oilers shouldn't be surprised if they move on.
1: Yeah. I, I don't envy those guys and having to figure out how to keep those two happy, um, over the next couple of years. And, you know, the perfect example of Edmonton's woes is that they get to the conference final and then you have goals given up like the, uh, the one from three quarters ice that, uh, that slipped past, I believe it was Mike Smith and, uh, got past him and it just was an absolute backbreaker in a game that it looked like they were going to win against the avalanche. And it just, it's like, what are we doing here guys? Like you just, you can't afford to have those types of mistakes happen. And yet here we
0: go. Yeah. It's disheartening, but at the same time, I mean, there's always going to be reason for optimism. If you have those two guys leading your team, only time will tell what this Edmonton Oilers team will do this upcoming season. But the final team in the Pacific I think, is a lock for the postseason in 2024. The defending Stanley Cup champion, Vegas Golden Knights, and I will say, even with the the returning bulk of their team coming back, obviously a a few departures, as is the case with every team, but especially a team that wins a championship, this team is still going to be incredibly talented, incredibly deep. Uh, They've checked a lot of their big boxes for the offseason, a few pending RFAs uh, for some guys at the bottom of the forward group, but I mean, the defense, of course, still going to be very strong. Aiden Hill's coming back. Jack Eichel is now the the superstar that everyone expected him to be on a good team. I mean, maybe there will be a little bit of a regression. I feel like it's never as easy as, oh, we won the Cup and we're bringing back all of our good players and everything's going to go off without a hitch. Obviously, Colorado had plenty of road bumps this past year. Things haven't always been perfect for the Lightning, over so on and so forth. But I, I would be remiss to say that this team isn't They're going to the playoffs, and they're going to be top three, if not top two, in the Pacific Division. Is there any any disagreement there on your end?
1: No, I I think Vegas is, as constructed, still one of the best teams in the Pacific Division. And so, barring something catastrophic happening, uh, I I don't think there's a scenario in which they don't finish at least number two. Uh, But it's probably looking more like they'll be the uh, number one team once again. and I mean... It's it's Vegas. Like, just just place your bets now.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that it's just going to be a tough team to beat. I mean, they, they showed the recipe in the playoffs of building a championship contender, and those pieces are still in place. Uh, but it doesn't mean that other teams won't get close to trying and other teams won't be gunning to take their spot. And we've now kind of laid out the roadmap of the teams we think will be going back or, you know, retaining their spots in the postseason. But there's still a few teams that I think will be on the fringe. Uh, and Seth as well that think could get into the playoffs or at least will be competing until the final days of the season. And we'll dive into some of those teams to close out the show. Coming up next, third and final segment of today's episode of Locked On NHL, talking about the fringe teams, uh, the teams that we we can't guarantee right now here in July that they'll be in the playoffs, but teams that intrigue us and teams that we think could very well be fighting and contending for a spot, a wild card spot, at the end of the year. Let, let's go ahead and stay in the Pacific Division, Seth, because I think there's less ground to cover there. And you alluded to it. Obviously, San Jose, Anaheim, I, I think everyone, including the fans of those teams, know that this just isn't going to be the year for them. I think Calgary is just an absolute mess. I, I don't think they make the postseason. You alluded to that earlier. But the Vancouver Canucks are kind of the, the oddball team here. A- and there's so many different directions you can go with this team. Rick Tockett is... You know, You know, getting his, I I guess, clean slate. He took over for the team halfway through the season. And I think that there's some reason for optimism. You still have JT Miller, Elias Pettersson, Andre Kuzmenko had a really nice year last year. Quinn Hughes, I think, is one of the best D-men in the league. He just doesn't get a ton of spotlight because his team hasn't been necessarily great. But, you know, this team has has some pieces. And I remember this time last year, everyone said, all right, with, you know, Bruce Boudreau, this team is going to gun for a playoff spot. And then it all fell apart. Are are we doomed for that repeat situation? Are we washing and rinsing that process? Or do you think it could be real this time? Do you think we could actually see some steps forward for the Canucks organization?
1: You know, it is interesting because it seems like the team played better um, down the stretch with Tocket than they did with just the whole toxicity that started to plague um, Bruce Boudreau and you know another part of the equation that uh, that people I think forget is that Thatcher Demko was just kind of a forgotten part of this team. And I I want to point out that uh, Demko in March and April of this past season, in March he was seven and three seven three and two with a two point six seven goals against average. In April he was three and one with a one point seven three. Get a 9.48 save percentage in April. And so I think that's one of the big keys for Vancouver is if, if they can get their goaltending back on track, uh, and in particular Thatcher Demko, if they can get things back on track between the pipes, that's going to help take pressure off of them on offense, on defense. And that, I think, just helps them get back on track as a franchise. And so if we saw in those final, you know, 12 starts of the season, 16 starts of the season, a kind of back to back to his normal form Demko, then yeah, I think this Vancouver team is one that could be dangerous going into next season.
0: Yeah. It's one of those things. I think for me, where you look and as much as I believe that those four teams we just discussed are likely going to the playoffs. That something is always bound to go wrong and nothing ever goes yeah. according to plan. And Vancouver is one of those teams that, if enough, like if Seattle has a ton of injuries or they, they can't get their gold things, goaltending situation sorted out, but Dimco comes back healthy and has a, you know, uh, maybe I would dare I say a Vesna caliber year. I don't think it's too far fetched to think that this team could, could be hovering around wild card territory. I'm not ready to say, like, you know, oh, if they get in, you know, they're a contender. I don't think they're a Florida Panthers type team that. They could, you know, sneak in the last day and then shock everybody, but I think that they'll be in the conversation. They'll be in the discussion. It's just a matter of, you know, getting that team to to play together and be on the same page. I feel like that wasn't always the case. And Tockett is a is a personable guy. I think he's a, a guy who can relate to his players somewhat well. And I know this is not the easiest locker room to manage in terms of personality, but someone has to do it. And hopefully, Tockett is the guy. I know the the organization wants that. The fan base wants that. If you did a survey of fan bases that are the most hungry to see their team get back to being good. Vancouver has to be at the top. That's a passionate fan base who's just kind of been stuck watching mediocre hockey over the past few seasons. And so just to see them be competitive and take those steps to being in the playoff conversation late in the year to be playing meaningful games, I think would work wonders for that city and for that fan base. Uh, And I think the same could be said of a few Central Division teams, at least two of them uh, to close out the episode and one that I think could be a sneaky good team next year in the St. Louis blues. I, I feel the way about the blues as I did last year about the jets of like, I could see them somehow like sneaking into a top three spot because the, the talent is there, but also there are some questionable areas of that roster where I'm like, yeah, they, they could be a card team or they could miss out, you know, just by a point or two. What are your thoughts on the blues? I, I you know, obviously can see both sides of the argument and could probably be sold on both sides of the argument. Isn't it
1: funny how much we go back to goaltending? Because (laughs) I feel like a large key to the St. Louis Blues is going to be what happens with Jordan Bennington. He was all over the place this past season. He had stretches where he was unbeatable. He had stretches where he looked like he would have given up 10 goals to an AHL team. And so if he can get back on track, that is going to go a long way. And it was interesting to hear some of the comments as the season wound down from Craig Berube about not getting enough fight from his team and and guys knowing who they are in terms of who needs to be better in terms of, of giving better product on the ice. I I wonder what sort of effect that situation has because we, we saw how it played out with the Winnipeg jets and with Rick bonus. Now, obviously going into year two with him, but it feels like a St. Louis team that if they put it together, they will rally and unify and will do some good things. But if they don't, it feels like we will see a situation probably a little more than what we saw at the trade deadline, where they are mortgaging off some big pieces and really uh, kind of taking a couple steps back just to try to, uh, to put together that next group of, of core players that they move forward with.
0: Mm. And I think the big thing with with this team, and something I'm curious to just see how it shakes out, is I remember this time last year looking at, at their lineup and looking at the contract situations, and you kind of looked at the older veteran leaders on the team, the guys that were the face of that Stanley Cup run in 2019. Your O'Reillys, your Tarasenko's, uh, your uh, I'm blanking on his name. Who went to the Vegas goal tonight? Barbashev, Ivan <laughs> <Yvonne laughs> Barbashev. I was like, why am I blanking on his name? But those guys, all of them were on expiring deals, and you kind of got the sense. That either they weren't going to come back after the season or if things kind of went down as they did, that they were going to get traded at the deadline. And so I want—I obviously was not in the locker room. I don't know if this was the case, but if there was that looming sense of, you know, this team's in a weird transition period where you still have those guys that, you know, the captain and the the alternate captains. But then you here you now have, you know, Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo kind of the next up guys, knowing that the, it's going to the changing of the guard is going to happen. And if they just weren't able to kind of balance and manage those expectations, whereas now those guys are gone and you're not really facing that this season. Of course there are expiring contracts, but you know, the names aren't as prevalent as some of those leaders. So I wonder if that changes things at all. Now that this kind of new order has been established, I say with air quotes, because I feel like some of these younger players still have to learn how to lead the team a little bit better, but I think they could take some steps forward. I think, uh, Jakub Varana was a, an underrated trade deadline move. He was great for the blues down the stretch. I know he's had issues staying on the ice just with um, some off the ice issues, but if he can stay healthy and stay on the ice, he's going to be a weapon for the blues. And yeah, goaltending is a big deal uh, as Bennington was quite literally all over the place with stats, but then also sometimes on the ice. Uh, I'm sure you remember that game against the wild where he and Mark Andre Fleury gave us one of the most memorable moments of the season, but the final team, That we'll discuss today. Another team out of the the Midwest slash South, I guess, not too far from St. Louis, but the Nashville Predators, another team that it's just hard to put a finger on. They they obviously felt like they needed to make some changes. And I know you and I discussed, I think it was last episode, that regardless of what you think of the moves, you can't say that Barry Trotz isn't making an effort. (laughs) Barry Mm -hmm. Trotz is very much coming in and doing what he deems necessary. And he's a great hockey mind. We all know that. It's just a matter of, will all of this pay off?
1: It's interesting, too, because, you know, I was diving into this a little more after we discussed it. And the biggest thing for the Predators is making sure that uh, UC Soros isn't just getting bombarded in the way that he was this past season, like a historic level of his teams not being able to prevent the opponent from getting shots up and just these outrageous shot differentials on almost a nightly basis and so if they can play a little more even keel hockey this year and I think having the veterans Ryan O'Reilly to help lead this group with some emerging youngsters such as Tommy Novak um, it could be a sneaky group and we are uh, just like you said with the Pacific Division and I know we did kind of touch on this as well the Central Division is you know, one team dealing with just a rash of injuries away from seeing somebody new hop into one of those top spots and, uh, and make maybe a little bit of a surprise push. And so, um, it's something that Colorado, Dallas, Minnesota, all will be watching for this year, but that's all a team like Nashville needs is just an opportunity to kind of catch somebody off guard and just go on a little run. And I, I think they are definitely capable of doing that because again, They've got UC Saros between the pipes, and he is always going to be one of those upper-level goalies, and that is something that you feel like you match up well against a lot of teams with. And so if they can just get some guys to play a little bit above their expectation level, they're going to be a tough out.
0: Definitely, and they're kind of playing with house money a little bit. It's funny. You look at their cap-friendly page, and if you looked at the end of the season, it would have looked different. But their highest-paid forward is Ryan O'Reilly at a $4.5 million cap hit. And it's just such a different group. I mean, Gustav Nyquist, uh, stars legend Dennis Gurianov, now a member of the Nashville Predators. He's in, the, in that mix. Cody Glass, I know, recently signed uh, you know, his new deal, and he's expected to take on a bigger role this season. It's one of those teams where the pieces are certainly there. The defense, I think, is underrated, led by Roman Yossi. But Ryan McDonough, Tyson Berry, Luke Shin, that's a pretty solid group. And you put those guys in front of UC Soros, and – Again, the same thing that I t- said with the Pacific could very well happen in the Central. The the Dallas Stars, one of the healthiest teams last year, could be just ravaged by injuries, and they they potentially fall out of the playoff picture. Who's to say a team like Nashville kind of playing, you know, I, I feel weird saying money ball because that's kind of a baseball reference, but it almost feels like that's kind of what they're doing here where they're not spending a ton of money. They do have a good amount of cap space, but even if things don't work out this season, they're set up pretty well. They have a ton of draft capital in the 2024 draft. And some good contracts here and, and a lot of their forwards, especially uh, all but, you know, only four forwards are on deals that are lasting longer than this season. And pretty much all of the one year deals they have are relatively inexpensive. And you can kind of gauge and be like, all right, we want to bring this guy back or we want to let this guy walk. You you kind of get to make your, your own decision and build your own team if you're Barry Trotz. And not many other teams and not many other GMs are in that position. So I, I think this is going to be one of the most interesting teams to watch this upcoming year.
1: Yeah. I I think you're right on with that. And let's not forget his uh, memorable soundbite after he took over and saying, you can find third and fourth line guys anywhere. Let's, let's go get some guys that we can put
0: in the top of the lineup and uh, then we should be in good shape. Absolutely. It's going to be a fun season and I know we're still a good ways out, but always fun to to speculate and start to get your mind ready for the upcoming year. And Think about what teams could be in the playoffs, and hopefully we we will have some new faces and maybe some teams that haven't been to the postseason in a while, specifically more in the Pacific Division. I think it'd be refreshing to see a Vancouver team Same. in the postseason to some extent. I'm sure there's some Pacific fans out there saying, oh, no, I would like my team to, to take the spots, but that, that's the magic of hockey. You never really know what you're going to get, but that is going to do it for today's episode of Locked On NHL a little bit of a longer episode, but I think a really good discussion of of what the playoff picture could look like Seth, If you want to go ahead and take a moment and let the people know where they can find you on online. Feels right to uh, go a little longer on a talker Tuesday. Um, So
1: we'll, uh, we'll certainly take it. Um, You can follow me at Seth T O U P S on Twitter, a wide range of Twitter topics, including Minnesota wild hockey. And you can follow lockdown wild anywhere. You listen to your podcast plus YouTube plus social media, including threads coming up soon, so uh, make sure to check all of that out as we continue to navigate through the rest of the
0: offseason. Yep, the same can be said for Locked On Stars. You can find us on YouTube, your favorite podcasting platform of choice. Plenty of discussion going on there with some more way early predictions of, of what the lineup could look like with all the new faces in the forward room and trying to shake up the defense and trying to make sense of that group as it's not really changed, but are hoping to see some improvements from some of the younger players in the organization. But Seth, always a good discussion, uh, as it always is, on Tuesdays. Looking forward to doing it again next week. So for those of you listening, those of you watching, take care uh, and be good to one another. And we will see you back here next Tuesday.